Thank God for the cross, amen. All right. Thank you. I have my, my good Baptist uh, people in the back there. All right. That's good to see you guys. I'm just picking on y'all. Thank y'all so much for being here. Um, so we we are in, we are starting doing number 30 today of uh, sermon number 30 in, in Mark. So we have have a ways to go. Uh, we have been, just for your for the record now, we're starting to, uh, for actually the last month or so, we've been kind of not, you know, kind of skipping around a little bit, still going numerically, uh, but but um, not doing every single passage. Um, and so last week we looked at um, uh, Jesus, you know, being the dominant Savior, if you missed last week. And that was in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29, and, and uh, how awesome it was that he, he cast a demon out a little boy and and then but between from the last week to where we are this week there there were a few things so if you if you it's not on the screen but in mark chapter 9 you had a we had jesus predicting uh his death and then uh we have um a, a passage that i actually had just recently preached on uh during the uh, patriot day i talked about who is the greatest you know and um and and uh, jesus saying whoever welcomes one little child such as in my name welcomes me um, and if anyone wants to be first he must be be last a servant of all I felt like because I had just preached on it that you know we could uh, kind of go uh, go through that and plus we're going to look, we're going to look at this idea of children in, in two weeks anyway um, and then um, we, we have a, a situation where John is like teacher we saw someone driving out demons in your name we try to stop them because he wasn't following us and, and Jesus said don't stop them because um there's no one who will perform a miracle in my name who can soon uh, afterwards speak evil of me for whoever is not against us is for us. And so that's kind of what was in the middle, what, uh, in between from last time. And those of you who like to do one uh, like, uh, like that, okay? So today we're in um, Mark chapter 9, verses 42 through 50. And I have Miss Ron is going to help me out because I don't know. If you ever, uh, I, I, one of the things I like to do is look at like funny warning labels. You know, is anybody with me on that? Like, is this ridiculous? Like, really? That's a really a warning label? Like, are we idiots in, in the world? To, but, so I have a, a five or six of them, right, Miss Rhonda? And so let's do, let's do a couple, let's do, let's do these, and I, I thought you would enjoy. Drivers do not carry burritos, so, so Mr. John, don't stop them, ask for a burrito, okay? Don't, don't stop them, pull them over, hey, you got any burritos I can have, like, right now? All right, I want some Chipotle burritos right now. Uh, amen. Thank you. Amen. Uh, next one. Never lose. Never use a lit match or open flame to check fuel level. Okay, for that would be for Jimmy. I think you all like to go to the river, right? So do you have one of those? No. Okay. So yeah, that wouldn't be good if you did. All right. What about the next one? I thought Kaylin would actually like these two. Um, do not eat it. Don't eat the iPod Shuffle. Just for the record, don't don't eat it. All right. Next one. Oh my goodness! Wow. I mean, I already hate the dentist. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> like, like I mean, I like. I mean, I like the actual dentist as a person. I just, I don't like his job. You know what I mean? Like, I'm the bad one. I don't know if anybody's like me. Like, I am. I have. I'm the the bad student every time I go. Like, and then I finally, uh, one of the 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 assistants there just told me says you you just have bad saliva and bad uh, bad genes. Okay, because uh, I do take care of them, but there's always something wrong. Um, but I, that would freak me out. What about this one? <laughs> Not intended for highway highway use. There, that would, you know, kind of thought that was good. And then only a couple more. It's always a good idea. Remove the child before before folding. 
Okay, always good. And uh, Mr. Mike likes this. And, and last one, my favorite. May cause drowsiness, use care when operating the car. All right, so anytime I see Skippy, if y'all see Skippy driving my truck, all right, we have a problem, okay? All right, we, just for the record, we have an issue, all right? But anyway, uh, but you, you look at those labels and you're like, seriously, like these things are real? Like, apparently so. Now, I don't know if they've been doctored or whatever they call it, you know, up, but uh, they're hilarious. Um, but the reality is um, there are warning signs of life that we should take seriously, right? Um, I mean, we, we should take seriously mile power uh, um, signs, although um, some of us are, it's just kind of a suggestion, all right, uh, like Jimmy, okay, not me, all right, hey, but, coach. Um, but um, you know, or, or other road signs, or uh, making sure you don't mix certain medications, and, and, you know, things like that. But in our passage today, uh, we will see some warnings from Jesus himself that are of utmost importance, and it's like, it's, 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 he just kind of says a couple things all at once here at the end of, of March chapter 9. It's like, i got to tell you all a couple things that's very important. Here's some warnings. Here's some cautions that you need to be aware of. And so um, here is the, the central statement for those of you who like taking notes or just kind of like reading it. Um, in this passage, Jesus gives three very serious warnings to not lead others to sin, to deal with our sins seriously, and to be salty. All right, we'll look at that. As we go, and as we go through this day, through through each one, right? As we we go from in one point, we're going to ask a question, all right? Uh, kind of a, a introspective question there, and then we'll move to the next point. And so let's go ahead and get to number one, uh, Mark nine verse forty two. We're just going to do just the first verse, okay? But whoever, because there's a lot in this verse, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Pretty strong words. Now, uh, first thing, number one, don't lead others to sin. And see, I used to make a, a point for my players, and I'm sure Coach Mitchell does the same. I think he, you know, I see him doing a good job. If somebody gets in trouble, he'll he'll you know does something they shouldn't do. He'll he'll go right to them and get on to them, right, Coach? Um, I thought it was very very important whenever I coached uh, to not only be an example. I think that's part of being a coach. All right, I think that's a that's a uh, on a, a whatever you call it, that's a that's a non-negotiable. You, you should be a good example, right? And then your players should be, especially in high school, because you have all these kids looking up to the players. Man, they hold them in such high regard. Man, they're heroes, right? And, you know, Jimmy used to play, and I'm sure you had guys and your know, kids who look, you know, always come in to see you, and you know, hey, Jimmy, and you know, and and, and it's it's a it's a big deal. I, I I I can remember. I guess I I knew it all along, and we talked about it. But whenever whenever we we went to state. Um, both times, man, it was just really, really cool because we got uh, like the elementary students, elementary school students in the in the county wrote notes, wrote personal notes to our players, and we had like a whole, you know, these goodie bags, you know, and, and Sally and, uh, and the other ladies did a great job with that, and they they had these bags that, uh, of of food and candy and and then uh, of notes from a, from an elementary school kid, you know, or drawings, and it was it was a really, really big deal, right, to be a good example. See, as Christians, we must be very, very careful how we live our lives in front of other others. Um, while none of us are perfect, we need to be aware of our influences on other people. Now, the word translated to fall away literally means to cause or fall to stumble. That's what you think it might mean, okay? It, it, to offend, uh, to cause to sin, if you will. Now, also, and why I did a, a, my, my example was about little kids, particularly in this reference, the idea of these little ones is not just to little children. It's to immature Christians. Whether you are 
uh, 10 or whether you're 30 and you, you're still immature in your faith. Okay? So the idea is it doesn't matter age. All right? Um, and and it, it, I can see this applying to those people who are easily uh, influenced. Right? Um, gullible, if you will. Um, uh, Kaylin heard the story the other day, and I'm not going to say the young lady's name, okay, because uh, she might be watching. I don't know, but uh, there was a there was a young lady who was really like she was so gullible, bless her heart. And Coach, and Coach Murphy took advantage of that a couple times. I admit, um, like I I they, I got a phone call, and I told her that she was checking out in ninth grade, and she left the room. And then I opened the window. I said, I'm just playing. You can come back. And she came back. And then I did it again her junior year, and she fell for it again. I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? Like, seriously? <laughs> like, I did, it was just two years ago. You, you don't remember me picking, doing the same exact joke? Don't do that, Miss Donna, by the way. It's not, I, I, don't, I don't recommend it. But, but then, true story, her senior year, I had her three years. I had her three. And then um, this time, they actually did call for her. The only time in three years, they actually did call. And then, then, she, then she didn't believe me. I wonder why not. You know, she was like, I'm sitting right here. I'm not moving. Coach Murphy, you're not going to get me this time. I'm like, they really did call. Like, they seriously call. Anyway, uh, but kind of a funny story. But the idea, you know, you know it, it, that's not funny here is that there are people who are very gullible when it comes to spirituality. They, they'll they fall for anything. And, I, and they'll like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, yeah, that, I believe that. Well, just be very, very careful. careful. Um, see, even if they're not that way, we as Christians must be very aware of our influence on others and take it seriously. See, a millstone, there's actually two, okay? Um, so a millstone was used to grind grain, okay, in the mill. Um, a smaller one that apparently the women grind, you know, grind a small amount of grain for their family, okay? A small one they would have at the house. And a large one that would have to be turned by a donkey. Which one do you think he's talking about here? The one that has to be turned by a donkey, the big one. Okay, uh, which means I don't care how much you weigh, if you go in the water with that thing, you're going straight down. Okay, uh, so um, the idea again um, of, of this, and this, I love y'all know I love the details. Um, I don't know where Miss Dana is, she, she knows I do. The idea of this, of this imagery would have been especially horrifying because, especially to the Israelites, because uh, apparently they were, they were both afraid of the sea and a lot of them, and they regarded drowning as a horrible form of death, like, like the worst, okay? So um, just to kind of put it in our, our terms, uh, when it says better for him, basically Jesus is saying it would be better for a person to experience the worst, most horrifying death imaginable than to cause others to sin. Y'all see the seriousness here? Okay, the worst, not just a little, just not just dying, that would be one thing, but the worst death imaginable than to cause others to sin. What are some ways that we lead others to sin? And this is not an all-encompassing list, but uh, false teaching. Be careful. Be careful what that, what that church is preaching. Be careful uh, you know, what the preacher is saying behind the pulpit. That's why, again, I keep asking, y'all pray for me, okay? that, I, you know, that I present the Word of God. Amen? So please continue to pray for me because uh, I'm, I'm just a man, just a human. Okay? Um, arguing with other Christians. Arguing. Okay. Online or in person. Doesn't look good. Okay. Doesn't look good. Um, talking or gossiping about other Christians. Oh, amen or oh me. Or about anything. We just like to talk, some of us. All right. Um, being a hypocrite. All right. Any of those things can, can, can cause um, others 
into sin. Uh, Paul mentions a similar idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9-13, through 13, and it will be up on the screen, I believe. But be careful that this right of yours in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. He's talking about our, our rights as Christians, our freedom that we have in Christ. He says, For if someone sees you, the one has, who has knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to idols? This is the idea about eating, eating food. It's like with your freedom, like that stuff doesn't matter. It's just food. But other people see you do that. That's not good. Okay? And it says, So the weak person, the brother or sister for whom Christ died, is ruined by your knowledge. Now when you sin like this against brothers and sisters and wound their weak conscience, you are sinning against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother or sister to fall, I will never again eat meat so that I won't cause my brother or sister to fall. Like, and, and we can think of, of all sorts of things there that, that, would, that would go with that. But the idea is we need to be very, very, very careful. Okay? Um, you, you know, you, you, even for the, like, alcohol is one. You know, you have to be very, very careful. Regardless of your feelings about that, um, if someone knows you're a Christian, all right, and they're not strong in their faith, that might cause some issues, okay? And so just, just being completely honest there, you, you know, um, we, we have to be, to be mindful of the fact that our, the way we live, okay, as Christians, it does affect other people. So we have to, you know, it, it is what it is, as somebody would say. So we have to be mindful of that. And so uh, the, the question that I have here, I told you I have it before we, at the end of each point, is, ser is simply, are we causing others to sin, knowingly or unknowingly? Okay? Are, are we causing others to sin? See, um, we, we should take this very, very seriously. And, and don't just, ah, oh, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know about that, Brother, Brother Patrick. You know, you go on to the next point. Or um, you know, how, how do we handle that? We shouldn't ignore it. We, we should not push it, push it aside because Jesus used a very strong language there for us to take it seriously. See, and then he shifts now from dealing with others to dealing with ourselves. And so in this passage, he gives those three serious warnings to not lead others to sin and next to deal with sin and then to be salty. So let's look at the next portion, which is the bulk of uh, the passage today, verses 43 through 48. And Jesus says, And if your hand causes you to fall away, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm, worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So, number two, deal very seriously with sin. And, and um, anybody like hyperbole? I know my English teachers, right? I, I like hyperbole, you know, I like teaching it. Um, it's all, it looks like hyperbole. You know, it's the way it's spelled, and it's just fun. You know, the word literally means hyper, uh, means excessive. B-O-L-E means language, excessive language. And uh, are you proud of me? Come on, you give me a point there, right? Both of you, both of you, Miss Teacher. All right. So, uh, and, and, and don't, but, but it's always made, it's always used to make a point. And, and, and amen or oh me if y'all recognize any of these, or if, if your mom or anybody has said these things to you, okay? Um, or maybe you've said this to yourself, I'm so hungry I can eat a horse. Really, a whole horse? I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, or this game is taking forever, right? 
you know, I felt that, I, I felt that way sometimes. Like sometimes at middle school games, I love, I love you, coach. You're not middle school, but like sometimes I'm like, can this game <laughs> in the middle school games? I can just can't just get over. You know, don't call a penalty every game. I used to I used to say every year I would send my stuff to the I would send um, you know they, they they get an email from the from the state about you know your thoughts on the season, and I would say every year I say, can you please make the JV girls game a running clock? Okay, it's just saying. Okay, I love you. If you have a JV girl, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, but they would take forever. All right, and we would play quad games, and we we're not playing until 10 o'clock. All right, uh, because of that. But anyway, um, I've told you, if I told you once, what? I've told you a, a, a thousand times. Really? You think you might have told them a thousand times? All right, a little bit of excessive language. Uh, this helmet is killing me, or whatever. This thing is killing me. Killing you? I don't know. Uh, or I have a million things to do today. Million? Again, I love it. Okay, uh, I had a ton. Of, I have a ton of homework, Mom. Right. I don't know about a ton. Or uh, this is for you old, older people. Sorry, I had to go here. When I was young, I had to walk 15 miles of school uphill in the snow. All right. Hey, right. yeah. Anyway. Uh, but, but, but we like to, you know, but, but the exaggerations, uh, they're, they're fun to do. There's so many more, and I, I could spend the, the rest of the time talking just about those because I think they're great. But um, Jesus intentionally uses hyperbole. He exaggerates in this section to point out an idea that nothing should be more important than God. Okay? Even a hand, a foot, or an eye. Okay? It, it, those, yeah, they're definitely important, but not as important to God. And, and oh, how we, we like to put other things before God. Amen or oh me. Okay. Those are called idols, by the way. All right. You don't have to have some little you know, statue of somebody in your, room, in, in your house to, 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 to be worshiping idols. We, you know, um, we have other ones. See, Jesus emphasizes the seriousness of sin and the need to do whatever is necessary to deal with it. Okay. How so? Well, he, he takes major parts of your body all right, and he goes. So let's, let's look at this idea. Uh, if those things cause you to sin, you don't you don't need them. So as it pertains to the hand, okay, the hand is is things we do, right? Do things with our hands. So the hands, those are the doers. The feet are the goers, right? So where do we go? What do we do? All right. Where do where do we go? And then what do we look at? All right. And so the idea is. Those three things, because all three of those things can take us to simple places. Amen. All right. We, we can do things that are simple. We can go places that are sin, that that will lead to sin. We can look at things that are that are simple. Amen. So um, these ideas can again can point all uh, can open doors to sin. And thus, as Tony Evans said, people must take drastic measures to remove simple hindrances to faith. We must take it seriously. We must be careful. Um, and by the way, the, the Greek word that you saw a few times there in, in that passage, uh, in that particular section there uh, about hell, you know, um, you know then to have two feet thrown into hell and um, then two eyes to be thrown into hell, all that, the, the, the literal word there, what they were referencing was a place called the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom. Uh, it was a literal valley near Jerusalem. It was a place in Jerusalem. Okay, uh, and it was associated with with terrible things. Okay, with, with idol sacrifices in Israel's past, it ended up being turned into a, a rubbish, a rubbish, a, a trash, a trash dump. Okay, uh, it stunk. It was nasty, and it was right there. And it was everybody there would have known about it. So, oh man, that's 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 nasty. Yeah, that's a terrible place. Okay, 
um, you know, basically again a dump. As David Gusick said, the smoldering fires and the festering worms made it a graphic and a very effective picture of the fate of the damned. Okay? See, in Jesus' time, it was often used as a metaphor for the wrath of God. At the end of the book of Isaiah, the last verse, it goes like this. As they leave, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me, for their worm will never die, their fire will never go out, and they will be a horror, horror to all humanity. And it's the same reference. Okay? So this is serious, serious stuff. And it's also important to point out that Jesus believed in a real place called hell. We can sugarcoat things today and make people not feel too bad about themselves, but there is a heaven, there is a hell. Okay? And there's a choice to be made. And in fact, it reminds me of uh, this story. It says, after an army chaplain told his men that he did not believe in hell, some of them suggested that his services weren't needed then. See, uh, after all, they, they, they said, if there is no hell, then why worry about death? But if there is hell, then the chaplain was leading them astray. In their minds, either way, they would be better off without him. See, here's, here's the sad part of this. So, you know, people over the years have, have taken this scripture literally, okay? And they have literally cut off limbs, okay? Which is a sad, sad thing. But, but while that's awful, I agree what David Gusick says about this because basically that's not enough, okay? He, the prob, he says this, the problem with taking Jesus' words literally here is that bodily mutilation, mutilation does not go far enough in controlling sin, like, sin is more a matter of the heart than, than any of, uh, of any particular limb or organ. And if I, I cut off my right hand, my left is still ready to sin. If I, if I completely dismember my body, I can still sin in my mind and in my heart. All oh, some of the things I've said in my mind and my heart. This past week, Thursday, second period, to be particular and specific about it. Okay? All right. Oh, boy, I was angry. Might have been the angriest I've been in 20 years, 26 years of teaching. Okay, so uh, the things that I thought, you know, weren't great in that moment. See, uh, maybe, maybe you recall what we did this several weeks ago. Mark seven, verse twenty through twenty-three it says, and he said, "What comes out of a person is what defiles them." Y'all remember and talk with the with, with the Pharisees, you know, the whitewashed tombs, and you know, and, and they they were like mad that they were, you know, you know, not not cleaning, not washing their hands. You remember that several several weeks ago? Right? He's like Jesus, like just not what it's not what's with outside; it's what's within. He says, "For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person." So, I, I we we need to be very very serious about this, as D. A. D. A. Carson said. Radical spiritual surgery is demanded. But instead of, instead of that, we, we like to kind of look at this and we like to kind of have our own spin on it, you know. If your hand calls you to fall away, slap it with the other hand. Right? Maybe pinch it. Yeah, y'all get the point. We, 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 we treat, it, we treat our, our own sin sometimes as, with kids' gloves. You know, uh, we, we, we instead we play with it, we flirt with it, we, with, with sin rather than dealing with it and cutting it off and taking drastic measures. Again, amen or amen. So in this passage today, Jesus gives three serious warnings to not lead others to sin, to deal with sin, and to be salty. So let's look at this last section, the end of, verse, uh, end of chapter 9. It says, For everyone will be salted with fire, 
Salt is good, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you season it? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. Of course, I, I read earlier from Matthew 5 okay, about being salt and light. Right? If the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty again? See, as Christians, we are, we are to bring value to others. And, and this, is, this is similar similar to the first one, right? but, but a, a little bit more okay, than to our first point. We should influence others with the power of the gospel. I, I heard an amazing story, and, and I'm going to try to shorten it up a little bit here. Uh, for the sake of time, but it says there's an eight-year-old Israeli boy, and I don't know when this was, um, several years ago, I'm guessing, but there was an eight-year-old boy, uh, Israeli boy, who was stuck floating overnight in the Dead Sea after his father left him there by mistake. Unfortunately, the high salt content in the water keeps swimmers afloat or he probably would have drowned. The ordeal lasted six hours. So apparently, uh, it said the rescue worker said the boy from Jerusalem was in the sea with his father and two brothers on a Thursday evening when currents swept him away from shore without anyone noticing. Police spokesman Mickey Ronsfield said the family was part of a large group visiting a beach reserved for ultra-Orthodox Jewish men away from main public areas. His father left the water with other members of the group and only noticed the boy was missing as darkness fell, uh, Rosenfield said. A major search by police helicopters and, and volunteers and motorboats finally found the, the little boy about two miles from the shore. Early Friday after six hours in the strong-smelling, corrosive water, this little boy, um, uh, I mean, that's, that's what this rescue organization said. The boy was dehydrated and frightened, but otherwise healthy. He told his rescuers he remained calm throughout the ordeal, saying prayers and thinking about his school friends as he floated in the darkness. The boy said that he didn't try to swim, he just drifted with the current. Right. It said the mineral-laden waters of the Dead Sea helped keep the boy afloat, but could have choked him had he panicked and swallowed large quantities, said Omar Cohen of the Megalit Volunteer Rescue Unit. After hours of fruitless searching, workers had all but given up hope um, of finding the boy alive. We thought we were looking for a body, Cohen said. We were surprised to find the boy alive and well. See, many people are sinking, right? And the sea is sin. And but with the gospel, we're called to be salty, like that Dead Sea. Right? And we can keep, keep others afloat. Amen? See, salt, salt is good. Uh, it, was, it was used to, to, as a preservative. Uh, it was used as, a, as to, to flavor. It was essential. Um, we, we must let the Word of Christ and the Holy Spirit lead us as we strive to be salty. Right? Uh, Colossians 3.16, Paul says, Let the Word of Christ dwell richly among you. In all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Right? That's should have the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among us. And then also Galatians 5, 22 to 23, which a lot of you probably have memorized. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. That's, that's the way we should live in front of others. The CSB study Bible said salt from deposits among around the Dead Sea um, in that area could lose its flavor since it was not pure sodium, not pure sodium chloride. The disciples who lose their saltiness are no longer effective witnesses. Now, how how far do we go? I want to read to you Romans 12, 1 through 2. How far we should go? We should go this far. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I present I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is a good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And so um, it, it got me thinking about a, a sermon I just recently heard this week. It's, you know, the idea here is how serious is again do we do we take how serious do we take this? I mean, how, how far do we go? Do we really take this seriously or do we just think, oh, you're okay. I'm sure you're okay. My, my, my co-workers are fine. My friends are fine. We're all fine. Are we? All is good. No, it's not. It's not. See, we should, we should very seriously take the idea of people going to hell. And, and again, it speaks to me uh, before it speaks to you. I mean, isn't Jesus good? Amen. What did Jesus do for you? I mean, he, he changed my whole world upside down. He gave me a purpose. He gave me hope. He got to have salvation in him. I, 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 don't, I don't have to worry about hell because I have, I've accepted Jesus. What that Jesus doing the cross counted for me. I don't have to worry about that. Isn't that good enough? Amen. Is it good enough for our friends, our coworkers? Shouldn't they want to hear it too? I think, I think this is not like, oh, you know, we have this like mystery, you know, drug that, that, might, that might help somebody. And so, but that, I think that's how we, we treat it sometimes. You know, oh, it, might, it might help you. So I don't know if I want to share that with that person or not. No, if we know that Jesus changed us, right, then why not share it with other people, amen? And we'd be salty in front of them. I like the way one, uh, some theologians have said in different ways. It says, it's much better to suffer some on this earth and then enter glory than living for pleasure on earth and suffering for eternity. And the last part, as we, well, we are seriously going to close out here, the last part simply says, be at peace with one another. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I think that, that just, I think everybody kind of gets that, okay? Uh, it has to do with promoting peace among fellow believers. But it's one of those things where we read it like, yeah, I think I do that. Do we? Hey, do we do we like every little thing? We like to kind of you know, you know cause drama. Uh, man, I know seems about small towns love to have drama. Hey. Colossians four six says, "Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt." Again, so you may know how you should answer each person. And then Romans twelve eighteen says, "If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone." As far as it depends on you, it may not be the other person may not be ready for that. For you are concerned, you do as much as you can to make peace. I, I, I recall a time, and, and Coach Mitchell knows about this. I'm not going to say names, but there was a time when somebody says some pretty hurtful things to me you know, in a group chat. And I didn't like it. My man, human side of me was like, well, we'll just throw down right now, brother, from time and place. All right? But the Christian in me was like, this person's going through a lot. And I need to I need to try to try to be peaceful in this situation. So while I still to this day don't think I did anything wrong, at all, right? I went to that person myself and apologized. Right? You know, and, and I, I was trying to promote peace. Right? I don't really know how it went on the other side, but I know what I was supposed to do. See, so we should again let it be known by how we live our lives that we are Christians, and we should help bring life to this world. Salt is distinctive. It's flavorful. All right? it, it makes things taste better. Are, is that us as Christians? Are we making things in this world better? Or are we contributing to
to the uh, the malaise and the you know and the and the conflict in our world. How do we do this? By living for Christ and being willing to sacrifice and follow Him. So the question for that is simply: Are we salt and light? Do we make the world a better place? And do we get along well with other believers? And if not, let's make a change. You see the central statement again as we conclude today and ask um, the ladies to come up. Do we take the things of Christ seriously? It's kind of kind of the gist today. I mean, nothing gets on my nerves more than an apathetic student or player. Right? Students, you got teachers in the house. Okay? That drives me. I would rather you disrespect me, like say words back and talk back to me, than you sit there and do nothing. I can't handle it when you sit there and do nothing. I don't like it. I'm a basketball coach. I couldn't stand apathy. Okay, you don't want to play? Go home. All right. Like, like. So, are, what are we? Are we apathetic about the things of Christ, about these areas, or do we take them seriously? Do do we do we carelessly say words around impressionable Christians that could drag them down, or or we carelessly do things that will drag them down? I don't even. We don't even care. We, we just being us. I got my life to live. Okay? Or, or you know, if so, we need to repent. Do we? Do we make it a point to deal with our own sin, to confess it? Like, you know, it shouldn't be a time. Just give me a little bit of practical information here, okay? Yes, you should, you should say, God, forgive me for all the sins I committed because we're not going to remember all of them. But don't, don't wait till that night to do it. As soon as you mess up, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. God, please forgive me in Jesus' name. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. Okay? He'll forgive us. We're not perfect. Okay? But if so, if we, if we don't confess it, you know, are we taking measures to, to prevent it again? If not, again, repent. And if we are not salty enough as a believer for not bringing flavor and, uh, to this world and, and being different and, and showing others Christ, we need to repent of that as well. And if you're truly and sincerely and seriously trying not to cause others to sin, and you do deal with your sin seriously, and you do try to be salt and light, praise God. Amen. For, praise God for this. And then count on this last verse. This is my last one today. 1 Peter 5.10, The God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. Because we're going to suffer on this earth. Amen. I don't know about you, but I like, I like that, that verse right there. Okay? I think everybody here in the room would love to be restored established, strengthened, and supported. Amen? And finally, if you're a clueless about what we talked about today, right, there's a person named Jesus who died on the cross in your place. Right? Accept what he did on the cross is counting for you. And come, and come talk to one of us, okay? So as uh, we sing a song,